pull out your message notes. I want to go into Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Matthew 14, 22, it's through 36. This is the story of Peter walking on water. It's a very amazing story. I've been studying it quite some time now. If you were at the leadership gathering on Wednesday night, I talked about this uh, portion of scripture. It's something that God has been speaking to me because I feel like it's right where we are as a church. Now, let me give you a little bit of context and background for this story. If you're new to Christianity, you're new to the faith, you maybe haven't heard this story. If you've been around, if you went to Sunday school, how many of you know the story of Peter walking on the water and Jesus being there to catch him? I mean, it's a fascinating story. Uh, but what's happened in this passage is that John the Baptist has died. Go read the previous chapters. Uh, Herod has killed John the Baptist, and so he's passed. Jesus was actually coming to a place to pray and spend time with God, and while he was there, it says a quiet place, a solitary place, the crowds came in on him. The crowds rushed him, and he was there to pray and recharge, but the crowd put a demand on him. So no matter how many know, sometimes no matter how much you give, there are always people that want more. And so Jesus was gracious. The Bible says he actually had compassion on them. And so this is where the miracle of feeding the 5,000 happens. Jesus begins to share the parables, which is amazing because he took complex ideas from heaven and broke them down into simple solutions for men and women. And I thought, wow. And so he talks in parables. He's feeding the 5,000. And now he sends his disciples to go across the lake to Capernaum. And he is going to retreat and get some solitude with God. He has to recharge. I don't care how good you are, how smart you are, how anointed you are. Everybody has to get a recharge moment with God, even Jesus. And so this is where we find Jesus sending the disciples away to Capernaum through the boat. It says immediately in verse 22, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So this was taking place. He's dismissing the crowd. He sends them over to the other side. Uh, and here's interesting. Uh, this passage and this story is actually told in Luke and uh, Mark as well. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. And what that means is usually you'll find one story in Matthew. You can find that same story in one of the other gospels. And so it's the same story, but what's happened is that writer is highlighting different facets of that story that bring a deeper revelation to that moment to our lives. And if you go back and look at a different version of this story and one of the writers, what's actually happened is the masses are so enthralled with the miracles of Jesus, they're ready to make him king. They're ready to say, man, you are, you are amazing. Surely you're from God. We're going to set you up into an earthly kingdom. The problem is Jesus didn't come to set up an earthly kingdom. He came to set up an eternal kingdom, God's kingdom. Well, the disciples, if you remember the story with them, their whole time, they're thinking Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman Empire and establish an earthly kingdom. So look, Jesus sends the disciples to Capernaum because he's concerned, and this is my interpretation, that the disciples will jump in with the crowd because that's what their idea is as well. See, in other words, the disciples needed to grow up a little. The disciples needed to mature. They lived with Jesus, but they still didn't have the heart of Jesus. You can come to church and be around Jesus, but not have the heart of Jesus. 
still a saved believer, all those things. But God says there's moments where I got to grow you up. And, and so what we see here is he says, look, you can't be with the unbelievers because they'll influence you. Go. Sends them off. And the, here it is, after he had dismissed them, went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Sometimes your assignment will lead you into a storm. Like, yeah, that's the growing up. It's like, hey, I need you to grow up. I'm going to send you down a path. I don't think God causes the storm, but he allows the storm to mature us. So shortly before dawn, we know this is about 3 a.m., uh, when this happens, 3 a.m. to sunrise, uh, which is another interesting thing. It's always in the midnight hour, isn't it? Sometimes that Jesus shows up. So Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. So they think it's a ghost. They're out there. Someone's, how I many know if someone's walking on the water, I'm going to be a little bit afraid. Come on. Who be honest with me? I know some of you guys in Lazy Light, not me. Oh, yeah, right. Let's see someone walking on water. And I, I find it interesting in this too because as a believer, you think when Jesus shows up or God shows up, you're never afraid. That's not true. It says they were terrified. Why? Because you've never seen him show up the way he just showed up. And sometimes God shows up in your life and fear comes. You're like, well, that's not God. No, baby. No, no, you don't know that. There is a way to find out if that's God. And look, and this is how we know. Immediately when the fear came, when they were afraid, what happened? God spoke in the moment of fear. So you may be afraid of this, but you'll always have a word that helps you understand, no, baby, this is okay. It's God showing up in a way that I've never seen before. And so it says, take courage. It is I. So he's telling the disciples, look, this Jesus, this your boy, this Jesus, we've been together, this Jesus. Don't be afraid. And then, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. Now, I love Peter. Peter's one of my favorite disciples. Uh, I know he catches a lot of flack. Um, many people talk all the time about he, he denied Jesus three times. Um, but, but Peter was a little bit kind of crazy. Come on, I, I like crazy, you know. I, I think crazy is good. Uh, I, I, I like gritty. Where is a church? I didn't get very many amens in there, but that's okay. I like it. You probably married a little crazy, and so it's okay. And, and I like it. I like gritty, but, you know, because a lot of people talk about the shortcomings of Peter. One of the things he puts his foot in the mouth, you know, Jesus uh, tells him what's about to happen. He's about to die, and Peter says, no. That'll never happen. And Jesus says, Peter, listen, Satan, get behind me. That's not the plan of God. In other words, you can speak blessings in one moment, and the devil can use you to speak curses to tear down God's kingdom all in the same moment. Yeah, that's Peter. I can relate to that. Come on, how many know you're blessing one moment and you're tearing down another? I mean, so I think I could just kind of relate to it. And Peter, when Jesus is arrested, what happens? I mean, all the disciples are there. The soldiers come to get him. And Peter's the only one that draws the sword to cut off an ear. I like that. If I'm going to get arrested, just cut somebody's ear off. Don't kill him. Don't make, you know, an ear is just a little bitty thing. It ain't even that big of a deal. But no other disciple came to Jesus' defense. And here's what I love. Even when Peter was stupid, Jesus just grabbed the ear and put it right back on. So I think Jesus likes crazy, right? He's like, hey, man, it's all good. Thanks, Peter. I appreciate that. I mean, he didn't say that, but I bet he was like, man, thank God somebody's got me, you know. 
God, I know you do, but somebody puts it back on. But, but here's what I know, too, is that Peter's the only one that walked on water. Peter's the only one that's recorded that stepped out on the day of Pentecost when they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus in that moment. And so God, I think, can handle crazy. I think he's, he's okay with that, and I'm grateful for that. So I love this crazy facet of Peter. I think that's what makes water walkers. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a water walker. Look at verse 30. So Peter steps out of the boat, it says, but when he saw the wind... It's a very interesting statement because you can't see the wind. Anybody ever seen the wind? No, you can't see wind, but you can see the effects of wind. So when he saw the effects of wind, look, you can't see the devil, but you can see the effects of the devil. And sometimes in our life, there's a storm, and we may blame it on other people, but it's, it's the devil using the people around us, the circumstances around us. And so here we know Peter sees the effects of the wind, and now he's afraid. He begins to sink. He cries out, Lord, save me. And then immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Now, I, I like the little faith aspect too because here's what we know. If you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So Peter's little faith caused him to walk on water. Listen, I'll take little faith and be a water walker than someone who camps out in a boat in safety. So I, I, some, you could look at that as, oh, you of little faith. I think it's a statement of that's all it took. You know, that, and here's cool. He just, what's he do? He says, why did you doubt? He picks him up. They climb into the boat. The wind dies down. And those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. The title of the message is get out of the boat. And so let me just pray. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I'm asking for clarity of thought, clarity of words. Holy Spirit, pierce our hearts. Speak to us in our minds, in our hearts. Lord, in every facet in our spirit, let deep call to deep right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said. So here we have a story where the disciples, they stay in the boat. They are paralyzed by fear. Uh, Peter felt this same fear, but he wasn't paralyzed for long. We see that Peter actually steps out of the boat. He steps out in faith, and he walks on water. And I don't know about you, but I want to respond like Peter. I know that there are moments where I'm afraid, there are things that happen that I can't control and situations that startle me, but no matter what comes against me, I want to be a water walker. I want to be one of those guys that steps out of the boat. And so when I read this, my question is, God, how do I walk on the water? How do I step out like Peter did? And I think the first thing we've got to know is that Peter activated his faith. Look, faith has to be activated, that in the middle of the storm, we see Jesus. He begins to speak to all of them, and he says, look, take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. And in this moment, they all, they experience him. They hear his words. They see that he's a ghost. They respond in fear and are terrified. However, for Peter in this moment, he saw everything, but he had a different response. Jesus' words to Peter were a game changer for him. Look at what he says in verse 27. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Everybody say I. So Jesus is like, look, Peter, it's me. Disciples, it's me. 
So he's encouraging them through this storm. He wanted them to know, listen, I am there with you, that, that this isn't going to hurt you, and you guys, you've got me with you. Now, if you understand the context of that statement and what's taking place, it's pretty fascinating because this is not the first time the disciples have been in a storm with Jesus. So when you go into Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, which I'm not going to go there. You go back and read it later. Matthew 8, 23, Jesus commanded them to get in the boat. He got in the boat with them. They're going to the other side. And a gale force wind and storm came through. Jesus was exhausted. He'd been doing ministry. So he's chilling out, sleeping in the boat. And the storm is battering this boat. And so the disciples are freaking out. Must have been one of the worst storms they've ever seen. They're all fishermen, so not a lot of storms are going to really make them nervous. But this one must have been a bad one. So they go to Jesus and try to wake him up. They tell him, don't you care? We're about to die. And Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. And then what he does is he actually speaks to the storm and says, peace, be still. Look, this time, Jesus didn't speak to the storm. Jesus spoke to them. I think there's moments in our lives, see, we as baby Christians, when we give our life to Christ, we always speak to the storm like, God, I need you to fix my boss. I need you to fix my wife. I need you to fix this and help this. And Oh, God, it's, and, and we're telling God, I need you to help this storm go away. But there comes a point in your life, see, they had already been in that moment. He already quieted the storm. But there are moments where it's like, I need you to grow up a little, and I'm not going to quiet the storm, but I will speak to you in the storm. Like, I need you to get it on the inside because that storm will grow your faith and where you're going, you can't stay where you've been. And so he understood, look, he's speaking to me. Like, like it, so the disciples totally missed it because they're looking for God to do what he did in the past. But God's doing a new thing. He's trying to grow us up. And though it doesn't come like we thought, he will never leave you or forsake you or cause you to miss out on what he has. We have to respond. And here's what I know, how we see that Peter's faith was activated is because look at this statement, verse 28. If it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. So here's the difference. They all had faith. And let, let me help you understand. Every one of you have faith. If you're a born-again believer, you have faith. How do I know? Because you have a deposit of God on the inside of you. The moment you were saved, you're filled with the power and the presence of God, which means all of God was deposited. You don't get a little deposit. You don't get a half deposit. You get a full deposit. And so in this moment, Jesus was trying to activate their faith. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I would propose it's even more than just that. It doesn't just take hearing. It actually takes believing. Because you can sit every week in a Sunday service and hear the word preached. Listen, I preach the full counsel of the word of God. I share scripture and passages and verses. And yet, what's the difference between a water walker and a boat sitter? It's the person who actually activates the faith that not only hears the word, but actually believes the word. So how do you know, Pastor? Look, because he says this, if it's you. In other words, Jesus, I think it's you. I believe it's you. It looks like you. I feel like it's you. But I, I do believe. And he says, look, tell me to come to you on the water. In other words, listen, I believe it's you. And if it's you, I know you'll have me come and join you in this moment. And I'm willing to get out of the boat because it's safer walking on the water with Jesus in a storm than sitting in a boat without him. 
And so he says, come. And he does. And this is what's amazing is I don't think it's just faith that draws us closer to God. It's activated faith. Because faith without works is not faith at all. But activated faith that says, I believe, means I've got to start taking some steps towards God. Because what God is speaking is greater than I could ever do on my own. In fact, God's asking me to walk on the water. That is physically and naturally impossible. And so if I'm going to step out and do something that's impossible, then what I've got to do is believe that God is in the middle of that and he will sustain me as I step out in faith. And doing that, it's like, God, I've I got to get closer. You, how many know when you've taken a risk for God, you've stepped out in faith? You start praying more. You start fasting more. You start believing more. And so that activated faith is just God saying, come on, baby, I need you close because we got a world that's dying, that's going to hell, and you're the solution to advance my kingdom. I understand what that feels like. I think it's a perfect example of what's happened here with this building and this property. I remember in 2018, Pastor Benny and Wendy Perez came to our church, and you guys remember if you were part of the revival services, he came and preached for me. We didn't know revival was going to break out. We just, we love them. They're great friends and relationships we have with them, so they came to preach, and we had a couple revival services. If you were at one of them, Pastor Benny called me and Phyllis up and said, look, I believe 2019 is your year. God's going to do some amazing things. And I believe that the Lord's going to give you your building or a property in 2019. Come on, somebody. I was like, woo. I wasn't thinking about a building. We just finished the Dream Center. But I allowed a man that God placed in our life to be a voice of encouragement and faith to me. And so when he gave that word, we began pulling together our, our building committee and trustees and pulling people and started looking at properties because if I really believe the word of God, that means I've got to step towards God in faith. Didn't have all the plan, didn't have all the money in the bank, but I said, okay, God, we're just going to continue to move forward. We began to pray and seek God. And 2019 comes around and summer, somewhere in the middle of summer, we're still getting in position, but there's no property. There's no building that seems to be the place. And I'll never forget, I was at Saturday morning prayer. We do Saturday morning prayer from 9 to 10, corporate prayer. Anybody wants to join us, we'd love to have you every Saturday. And so I was there, and I was really questioning God. God, Pastor Benny gave us this word, and I think it's from you. And, but God, nothing's opened up. Like we've got this realtor looking, we're, we're searching. It just doesn't seem like anything's opened up. I thought this was you. Is this really you? Now, I have a journal. It's, I've had journals for years, but 2003, I wrote something in one of my older journals. For some reason, I just pulled it off the bookshelf, was sitting in prayer. Just after I asked God this question, the very first page at the top came Jeremiah 32, 17, which says, I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? So now what was someone else's word became my word. See, I, I was stepping out. Sometimes you got to step out on someone else's faith. Remember I talked about Joshua and Caleb and those 12 spies? And sometimes if you don't believe, you just got to shut your mouth. You just got to get behind somebody that believes and says, I don't have the faith right now, but I believe you do. And until I get it, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to keep moving forward because I don't want to disqualify myself from the miracle. 
And so, but there comes a point where you've got to say, I believe it, that, that that was God. But now, God, I need a word. This was a word from God for me. I heard the Lord as clear as day, not audibly, but through his word. How I many know God speaks through his word? What are the odds of me turning to that passage at that moment when I ask that question? Tar started talking to our trustees, said, really believe this is God, told them the story. They agreed. We, we hired an architect to come in. One of the things we thought, well, we just got to keep moving forward. I don't have a plan, but how I many know you just keep taking steps? He came in. We wanted to figure out how much land we needed for the building we were going to design. That way we can pursue the exact amount, not over and not short. And he's sitting in our office. Phyllis and I were there with the team, and we're just talking and dreaming. What do you want? What do you think? It's all these things. And uh, we said, man, that tractor supply would have been great. Somebody just flippantly said something. And uh, he said, what do you mean tractor supply? Tell me a little bit about it. We said, well, it was 22,500 square feet. We did hurricane relief out of it. Here's pictures. It was amazing. He said, well, why doesn't that work? He said, I can build what you're looking at in probably inside of that. We said, well, the parking doesn't work. He said, well, let me just go look. So we went and looked at the land and property. And he paces it off, steps it off, said, give me a day. He comes back the next day, and he's got a place to put where there's 50 spaces, over 180 spaces in the same land, redesigning and configuring that, par that parking. He said, I think this could work. Coming up with a plan, we can make this happen. Starts to build it out. But it was one step after another simply because I had a word from God. And I think sometimes we're looking, God, I'll step out when you show me exactly what you want. God doesn't work like that. He's like, I need you to step out the boat. How can I step out of the boat? I step out of the boat because I've got a word from God. And when I got a word from God, now he's the one that has to hold me tight, hold me up when I'm walking. He's the one that keeps me from sinking. Yeah. Our faith was activated. That belief produced action, and I need you to know miracles only happen outside the boat. That's where we understand it'll never happen inside the boat. It'll never happen inside the comfort zone. They happen outside the boat on the water. And so many times we want a miracle. We want God to do this miraculous thing in our life, but we're not willing to step out of the boat. I, I love Peter because Peter was willing to take a risk. Peter was willing to say, look, I don't mind if I look stupid. I don't mind if I fail. Maybe it's a mistake, but it doesn't matter. I'm willing to bank my reputation so that I can experience the power of an almighty God in my life. I would rather miss God trying than miss God staying in the boat. And so many people are afraid to make a mistake. So many people are afraid to take that step. So many people are afraid of disappointing people or, or, or having God, you know, be upset. Oh, my God, I can't believe. I, I, I even think with Jesus, oh you, oh, you have a little faith. It wasn't reprimand. Like, Jesus is proud, man. God loves it when we take a chance, when, when we're, we're out there saying, God, I think this is you. How many parents would scold your kid for trying to do what they thought you said? And yet sometimes we think God is this angry God in heaven scolding us for mistakes. Now, what would you do? You'd say, hey, it's okay, man, 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 you tried. I'm so glad. Thank you. I tell my kids, oh, man, I'm so glad that you even tried that. That's the way God is. Why? Because it's, it's learning to have a relationship with him. It's this, this koinonia, this fellowship. God, okay, I think it's you. And that's why you got to have wise counsel, too. People around you that are confirming what God is saying and doing in your life. But then it's like, God, okay, ultimately, I'm the one that's got to step out of the boat. Nobody around you can step out for you. 
And sometimes there are moments where people don't understand. People that you love, good-meaning people, people that are godly, they don't understand it. But here's what I know. When you get to heaven, it ain't going to be you and them. It's going to be you and God. And he's going to say, did you step out of that boat that I asked you to step out of? And we can allow ourselves like the other 11 to just be paralyzed by this fear. Fear is not of God. And if you know the heart of God, it makes it easier. Look at what David said. David was a man after God's own heart. Look what it says in Psalms 37, 23. I love this. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. If you're saved, you're godly. May not always feel like it, but the power of God. There's been an exchange. Your filthiness of rags has been exchanged with God's righteousness. You're godly. Not about how you feel. It's who you are. It's not about what you think. It's what we know. And so he says, look, God directs the steps. I, I love that, too, because, you know, I came out of the charismatic movement, and, and charismatic, charismatic movement had a lot of great things. But sometimes we were taught to take leaps. I think God moves in steps. Like, there's a moment, but it, those are like once-in-a-lifetime leaps and stuff. But, but God, look at what he says. I, I direct the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. What does that mean? He cares about the details of your life. Every detail. And then, this is the part I grabbed so much, though they stumble. He didn't say maybe they'll stumble, possibly they'll stumble. He says, though, they, look, look, we're going to fall. But here's what he says, they will never fall. Peter didn't sink underneath that water. It, I read one, one of the theologians, I was just been devouring this whole passage. And one of the guys said that they, they could figure out about and guess how far Jesus was to Peter when Peter stepped out of the boat and began to sink. And one of the theologians says about eight feet. And yet in this passage, it says when Peter began to sink immediately, Jesus was there. It didn't say Jesus started stepping. It said Jesus was there. So Jesus transcends natural law and order and immediately appears to pull Peter. See, some of you think, oh, he's going to let me drown. let me drown. He didn't let you drown. Immediately, he's there to catch you. He's never going to let you fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. I was young, and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. What an amazing promise for us as believers. God, you are good. And the enemy wants to keep us from moving forward in faith. He wants us to be like the disciples who were paralyzed in fear that refused to step out of the boat. And I, I've, I've read all three accounts, and it is absolutely amazing when you go through and read them. I've been studying them. I could probably do a six-week series just on this story, may even do it, call it Water Walkers or something. But one of the amazing things what you read, like even in this moment, and I said it earlier, is that John the Baptist has just died. And so you can think, well, maybe they're afraid because of the storm. Yeah, probably. It was probably a bad storm. These fishermen, it must have been really bad. Probably because they thought Jesus was a ghost. Yeah, that's true too. However, Jesus identified himself. I think God identifies himself in our lives when we're walking through the storm. But what causes us to not be activated in our faith and believe him? And I think it's because they were still in shock. See, if you're not familiar with who John the Baptist was, he was the greatest prophet that's ever lived in this earth. Jesus actually declared that. Now, let me know if Jesus says that about you. Come on, somebody. It ain't open for debate. 
And so you can imagine these disciples who have been with Jesus, and you have this man who is a hero. He's a legend. Like he prepared the way for Jesus, and now all of a sudden you've heard he's been murdered by a wicked king and his wicked daughter, who's the one that danced before him and asked for his head on behalf of her mother. And as disciples, see, I thought, God, you were going to establish your kingdom. And if there was anybody I would have put in charge of stuff, it would have been John. What does that mean for me? I'm not safe anymore. See, I thought I was next to God and I was untouchable. I thought I was next to Jesus and nothing bad would ever happen. And I think in this moment, it was shock. It's like, hey, listen, bad things happen to good people. John had faith. John did everything right. He still lost his life. That's why we got to be careful about judging people who die of cancer. And I hate that movement. How oh, you didn't have faith. You didn't. Listen, only heaven knows. Can we just run our race? Because I know bad things happen to good people. But what I got to do is when those bad things happen, we had something bad happen in our community a couple of weeks ago. You can't allow the, that moment, that, that, that point in time where something terrible happens and shocks you and paralyzes you because now you begin to question God. God, I don't even know if you really, and, and so I imagine all of that is playing out in this moment. Think about someone sitting in here right now. You said, God, I've loved you. I've lived for you. I would have never thought I would be someone who has experienced divorce. Like we went to church. Like we, we I, I've given my life to you, and yet here I am, divorced from the person that I thought I'd spend the rest of my life with. I mean, that's tragic. Someone's saying, listen, I've been praying for my kids. I raised them in church. Now they're in jail. I raised them in church. Now they're on drugs. I raised them in church, and they hate God. They're atheists. They're agnostics. They've turned to Muslim, being Muslim or Hindu or whatever it is. And so you begin to say, God, these bad situations caused me to question my faith. And so what I think happened was their faith was shaken to the core. And we, as people, we're going to experience things that are going to shake our faith. The question is, will you walk on water in the midst of bad situations. See, those situations don't qualify the power of God. It just is what it is. And we may never know until we step into eternity, but I'm not going to let one situation define me. John the Baptist was amazing, but that's in the past. I'm still alive. I still have breath. Jesus is in front of me. He's asking me to come forward. I'm going to step out of this boat, and I refuse to let my faith be shaken. That's what we got to watch as Christians. Look, bad things are going to happen. Here's what I know. When they do, pastor, you're not being positive. I'm positive bad things are going to happen. But when they do, we're going to be here for you. That's what family is for. That's what small groups are for. That's why we have small groups. We're not, we're not asking people just to add something to your life. We're adding, asking you to, to build community with people that you can do life with so that on the bad day they can celebrate. On the big day they're there to, or on the bad day they're there for you. On the big day they're there to celebrate. We do it together. Ephesians 3.20, here's the, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, this is for each and every one of you, then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. All we ask or imagine. Think about that. His power. Where is it at work? Inside of us. And I believe God is asking us to do the impossible. I know as a church, 
God's asked us to do the impossible. As a, as, a, as a husband and a wife, Phyllis and I, God's been asking us to do the impossible. He's been really speaking to me, will you walk on water? This whole process has been walking on water. And I, I see God already moving. You know, our closing date is April 20th. So we're establishing that date. We're excited. Come on, somebody. Amazing. We set the date. We're like, all right. We're walking on water. I want to tell you a story of someone that has been walking on water and what God has done in their life. Listen, I got a text last Monday, not this one, two Mondays ago, a, a young man that's in our church, someone that I spend a lot of time with, has been in my small group for three years. And so he texted me and he said, Pastor, I know this whole moving forward campaign is from God. He said, man, God's been moving on my life, and God has been doing amazing things. He said, you know, you began to talk about it. He said, I committed that I was going to give what God had been speaking to me to give, and so God spoke to him. And he said, man, God, I don't really want to give that because that's what's set aside for something else that's really important to me. He'd been saving money. He has a big event in his life, and he's like, God, I, I don't really want to do that. I mean, you know what that's for. Come on, God, no. So he says, wrestling. He said, but the Lord told me to, to give it. So he gives this money to, to already to the campaign. In fact, so he texts me. He said, God's already blessed me. I said, cool. I said, you made a pledge, and God has already blessed you before giving it. He said, no, I already gave it. I didn't trust myself. Come on, somebody. How many know? I've been there. I'm like, oh, all right, God. So he gave it, and he said, but this text is a response to what I gave last week. He said, I'm sitting in my boss's office, and uh, he said, my boss just pulled me in and gave me a $20,000 raise on the spot. 20, 20, uh, $20,000 raise. And then he said, two $15,000 raises as potentials at the end of this year. He said, and I'm going to hit them. Like, I, I can do it. And then he said, man, that's awesome. And I'm like, man, praise God, it's awesome. Well, he sends me another text just this week. And uh, I'm like, it was at our small group, just before our small group, not for our small group. He sends me a text, and he sends me this picture. Send me this picture. So it's Josh. His name's Josh. And that is his new house. That's it. So here, here's the backstory of that. So he said, you know, I've been praying, God, you, I, I want to buy a house. He said, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little older. I want to buy a house. He said, I really felt like the Lord told me to move to Rosenberg. Not Katie. He works in different places. He's in the medical field. And he's like, no, no, it's, it's Rosenberg. So he said, you know, I, I got a realtor to help me and went and looked at a builder's home. And he said, uh, I didn't have the money. He said, but pastor, you didn't have the money to buy tractor supply either. And he said, I thought the Lord really spoke to me like, hey, you're going to get this house. And so he said, I just thought I'm going to do what my pastor's doing. And the builder calls him and, uh, the, and says, listen, I think we got your home. So they've done this whole interview. I think we got your home. You ought to come see it. Come, come and look at the house. And he's like, well, at first I thought, well, that's ridiculous because I don't have the money. And he thought, well, pastor did it. I'm going to do it. I, what I got to lose? He's stepping out of the boat. He goes up, gets in front of the house, looks at the house, says, that is absolutely perfect. God, this is, this is the perfect home for me. Before he leaves this property, someone pulls up and hands him this. It's a check for $20,000. Like that, that ain't not, hey, I want to help you, brother. I want to hook you up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray about blessing you. He had a $20,000 check in his hands. 
And it gets even better than that. He cashed it and it cashed. Come on, somebody. Because I, how many wrote them hot checks? You know they'd be bouncing. This actually cashed. His closing date is the same date as us, April 20th. I mean, and this is where you just, you can't make that stuff up. But you know who gets the glory for that? Not me, not people, not Josh. It's all God. It's like, God, man, you, when you show up big like that. Now, I do want to preface this. I'm not saying you're going to get a $20,000 check. Come on, somebody. Please. I don't know what God's going to do. In fact, I would tell you money is the lowest form of blessing. So money's great, and don't get me wrong. I'll take a check all day. I had one of my fellowship texts yesterday and said they got a check in the mail from your dentist. Like, look, when you get a check in the mail as a refund from a dentist... God is on the move, somebody. You know what I mean? So I'll go cash that check all day long. Cash it, baby, and it's good. And then go back and see him and give it back to him. They, uh, but, but that's the lowest form of, of blessing. Really, you know, you're talking about relationships and ideas. and that The heaven opens up. And so, so I'm not saying that we don't give to get. We give because he's asked us to give. And here's what I know about God. God loves to bless his kids who are faithful. So what am I saying? Step out of the boat. Why don't we all just say, hey, this is, I got another one. I can't even do it. I've got enough time. I got three God stories that would blow your mind of what God has already done just through this whole campaign. And here's what I'm inviting you to do. Walk on the water. Be a part of the miracle. Well, what do I do? Whatever God spoke. How do I get involved? Whatever God said. That's the beauty of it, because when God speaks to you, guess what? God has to provide what he spoke in your heart to you. And that's the thing that we're seeing in this church. I see more than ever, people are hearing God's voice, obeying it, we're learning. And as we do that, that's where revival happens. That's where advancement happens. Phyllis had a word, uh, promotion and, uh, and uh, acceleration and elevation and promotion. And I'm believing that for each of you.